0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the Muckrake Podcast. I'm Jerry H. Sexton, I'm here with Nick Hausman. Nick, the world needs to know how is our favorite big boy feeling? I'm feeling
1: hundred percent. I tested negative twice in a row, so I've gotten sure. out of this thing in a very short time frame. And thank goodness for that. And uh, I'm back. Maybe a little tiny um, cough every once in a while, but that's about it.
0: Okay, good. We we the the Muckrake. Community, the Muckrake Universe. We were all sending our well wishes. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to chalk that up to our energies and not to modern science or medicine.
1: Oh no! Don't are you an anti-vaxxer now? <laughs> is that <what> you're <laughs> Look, I'm
0: just saying vibes don't hurt. That's vibes.
1: I I actually believe that. You know those things when they people will pray for people who are in the hospital, and uh, there there has been like some some study. Who knows how scientific it is? I choose to believe that, that there is something to that.
0: Oh, that's great. And 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 listen, those are the good vibes that we need. I've got bad news for everybody. There are some bad vibes coming on this podcast, unfortunately. Uh, but I do have to tell everyone I have an insider source on the January 6th committee who uh, I've got some breaking news about what they're telling me. Then we're going to be talking about China. We're going to talk talking about Amazon protests. Those are wonderful. But Nick, you and I both know exactly where the hell this podcast has to start today. Well, you know, I don't want
1: to ruin it for everybody, so why don't you tell us what we what, what has to start then?
0: So here's the thing. I received multiple messages from people who were like, this is a muckrake podcast, just a fastball over the middle. This is where all of our interests converge. They're waiting to hear what we have to say. Um, Kanye West brought Nick Fuentes. And by the way, I want to say the news keeps calling him. Have you been reading these euphemisms? It's like right-wing provocateur, right-wing personality, white nationalist. No, we're talking about a crypto neo-Nazi Holocaust denier, Nick Fuentes, to go and meet with former President Donald Trump. Uh, Kanye, we got to talk about, unfortunately, uh, along with this, the anti-Semitism thing on the right continues to grow. Nick, when you heard about this the first time, what was your initial feeling and reaction? Oh, um,
1: I don't know. It's weird, you know, because there's all this this outcry for condemnation of this from the right and all these things that no one's really doing it. Um, I mean, it is it's just deflating at this point because it is so truly awful. We know that the Secret Service vets these people before they let him into Mar-a-Lago. So he, this is not an unknown thing that who, a guy that Kanye just, oh, a buddy of mine just came with me at the airport. I ran into him. He's coming with whatever. This is all known. They know what this is going about. And it's even more cynical when they say, well, how can Trump be anti-Semitic? He's got a Jewish son-in-law, right? And and it's like all these things are, it's just, um, just soul killing. I, I don't know how else else to put it.
0: There is so much to break down in this thing. We gotta talk about what Kanye said about what Trump said. We gotta talk about Kanye bringing on Milo Yiannopoulos, who the last time this podcast talked about that absolutely awful person. I don't know if you remember this, Nick. He was joining the staff of a certain congressperson.
1: person. Oh, was it? Was it? Who was it? Marjorie Taylor Greene? It's no,
0: Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's weird how wow. these things happen, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Nick, I I want to make sure that people understand who Nick Fuentes is, and we're going to listen to a couple of clips here in a second, because I I had a realization with the way this is being covered. I know this is shocking. American media dropping the ball when it comes to uh, radicalization and and extremism. Um, Again, this is not just a white nationalist. This is not just a right-wing provocateur. This is a person who has explicitly built their entire brand and political identity on carrying out white supremacist neo-nazi ideology this is a person and 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 we're going to play a clip here in a second i want people to understand that what you're getting ready to hear is just thinly veiled coded language from nick fuentes on his show what he is talking about nick and and back me up on this he is holocaust denying in this clip is that fair oh yeah I mean, even if you want to try, even if you had to struggle a
1: little bit between the lines, this is denying without question.
0: Let's listen to this and understand that this is about the Holocaust.
2: Max says, if I take one hour to cook a batch of cookies and cookie monster has 15 ovens working 24 hours a day, every day for five years, how long does it take cookie monster to make 6 million batches of cookies? I don't know. That's a good question. (laughs) Certainly, uh, (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, no. It doesn't really sound correct to me. Wait a second. take.
0: Uh, uh, uh,
2: oh,
1: Right. And, and this is one of the big Holocaust denier uh, thing is like there's just not enough time in a day to be able to kill six million Jews in that time frame. So it obviously didn't happen. That's what
0: well, they'll say. And and here's the whole thing about Holocaust and I. It's actually kind of <sighs> – it, it, it's kind of an example of what the right wing does anyway. We talk about it all the time. The right wing wants it both ways all the time. They need to have two uh, opposing viewpoints in their head at once, which is something that they accomplish constantly. Neo-Nazis do two things. One, they discount the Holocaust so that they don't have any sort of like they, – they want to believe that they don't have any political strikes against them, right? Mm-hmm. They want to say that they have Nazi ideology, that there's no uh, evil behind that, that Nazi ideology is somehow or another clean of six million people being killed. But they also want to say something else, Nick, which is, man, I wish they would have done more. In their mind, the Holocaust not only didn't happen, it should have been worse. Yeah. And that's what Nick Fuentes is doing. And I want people to think about this. He's laughing about the Holocaust. He's literally belittling the idea of the Holocaust. This is the person who met with the former president and was reportedly very impressed with. Right. And gave him all kinds of like thoughts and pointers and all that, which we'll get over in a second. This is vile. Nick, he is a vile person.
1: You know, I'm not sure I've ever told you this, but I was a trained interviewer for the Shoah Foundation for Spielberg's Holocaust m- m- Memorial, you know, where he was memorializing everyone who was still alive, uh, their testimony on film. And I interviewed uh, two survivors uh, and we were trained and we learned we had to study, you know, what we had to deal with in terms of denying what they were going to say. Uh, and the fear always tended to be that like, the farther we got away from World War II and that time frame, the less um, evil it would feel. You know, and so we think about the evil people from the Middle Middle Ages, whatever, as some sort of, you know, picture in a book. It doesn't really have any They're visceral feelings.
0: What's that? They're like a different species. They lived in a different world. It doesn't really matter. That kind of thing.
1: Yeah, it's not like scary, you know, but like Hitler, should we should maintain that fear of even the imagery of him and Mussolini and all those guys. Uh, and the fear has always been that as the farther we get, the, the, the less, you know, uh, people study it and learn about it. Then it just becomes a thing that happened at one time and, you know, oh, well, and then we get this.
0: Yeah. And this is what Fuentes does. The only reason we're sitting here talking about Nick Fuentes, the only reason that he met with a former president of the United States of America, the only reason he's exorbitantly wealthy and powerful now is because he has built his brand on being the person who will go ahead and say the things that other people don't want to say, right? Because of the right-wing figures and provocateurs, you name them, the white nationalists. Even some of the white nationalists will be like, well, I mean, there's a difference between the races, and look who built Western civilization, right? But they don't do this, right? Fuentes is the person who's just like, that's fine. I'm I'm a crypto-Nazi. What are you going to do about it? And he, he laughs about it. The radicalization process, and unfortunately we've got to talk about Elon Musk because he paid $44 billion, so we have to talk about him constantly. We're watching radicalization take place, and Nick, as you get deeper and deeper into any subject, whether it's Nazism or a hobby, you look more and more for specialized, focused language and people. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you and I in politics, we're paying attention to people who are into deep, deep politics. People who get into this groiper world, this white supremacist, neo-Nazi, crypto-Nazi shit, they go and look for someone like Nick Fuentes. They go from like that, you know, alt-right, light stuff into this. And that is what he has done. This isn't, it's not an act. It's not funny. This is literally Nazism that is being mainstreamed every single day now.
1: And it's the smarm. It's weird because a lot of times you might look at at, at Trump and be like, oh, okay, he's he's not funny to me, but he's trying to be funny, and there's something about it. He's on TV that there's something there. This guy is a 24-year-old smarmy ass with this with this smile on his face all the time and his winks, you know, because he will every once in a while say, oh, I, you know, I probably shouldn't have said that. But he revels in the fact that he will say it and then pretend that he's not supposed to say it. But I, the presentation is really troubling um, and so um, what's the word? It, it's a repulsive. Yep. But, but that's what's so hard then because obviously millions of people do not find him repulsive. And I shouldn't say people. I should probably just say male, white males. And, um, and he's not repulsive to them. It's, it's, this, is the, this is it. This is what is hard for people on the left to, to, to understand people on the right and how we're supposed to, to, to communicate with them. And this, this is it. This is the, the, you know, the, the, the best example
0: of that. And I want you to play this next clip because here's the thing. And I, I've been thinking a lot about American media, how they cover stuff. They use euphemisms. You know what I mean? And nobody trusts the media anymore. And by the way, for good reason. They don't play these clips. They don't show you what this person actually does. Nick, play
2: this so that people can actually hear this person. When it comes to the Jews, here's the silver lining. It tends to go from zero to 60. Like, they're not wrong about that. But there's a reason for that. And the reason is them, (laughs) okay? When it comes to the Jews... Every society where shit has gone down with these people, it always goes from zero to 60. It never starts with burning all the Talmuds in Paris, okay? It never starts that way. <laughs> but frequently, it seems to end that way, and it gets there very rapidly. Doesn't start there, but it frequently
0: ends there. But I- so I want to go ahead and fact check him because it's important if we're going to air these people. That we have to talk about what they're doing there. Mm -hmm. He is right. Things uh, going after anti-Semitic, they do happen very quickly. They don't happen because Jews deserve it. It happens because Jews are scapegoats whenever there's a political or economic crisis. And the people who have power, white people who have power, look for a scapegoat, which is what's happening right now. This has been building and building and building. But right now this anti-Semitism is happening because the white people in power, the wealthy white people in power right now are freaking out and they have to find a scapegoat. So that is correct, but it's not correct because of what he's saying. Oh, I I will argue completely that uh, Hitler from 33 to 39,
1: uh, that's not zero to 60. Those That's were right. years and years of slowly building up what he was trying to accomplish until they got there. So uh, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about, and it's oh, always it always starts with a little bit here. Oh, they're gonna, someone's going to smash a window of a Jewish uh, store, and then and then you know the next thing you know they have to wear the, the Star of David. Like th- there's a progression that takes time with this stuff. I, I don't even know why why he's reveling in that, in in because it's wrong. I, I guess it's like. I, I, it's hard for me to even try and wrap my head around what the hell he's talking about, but it's it, you can see that it's um, the evilness. You can see how people are like, yeah, yeah, God. Like, you know, there, there is, I guess there's my answer to what that is. That smartness and that thing, especially when you're talking about the subject matter, the, the, it, it can be intoxicating to that very, you know, small group of people uh, that unfortunately is enough that
0: makes him wealthy and, 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 and famous. And I want to talk about how, and because of this person, Nick Fuentes is absolutely the type of person to take advantage of situations. Nick Fuentes doesn't become uh, popular or famous because of his own talent. Right. Mm He he, he's he seeks these moments. So right now, Kanye West, who um, is not, you know, I'm kind of tired of talking about his mental health. He's just an asshole, period. That's it. He's always been a narcissistic, abusive ass. You know what I mean? And now that he's in this anti-Semitic lane, like everybody from Candace Owens to Milo Yiannopoulos to to Nick Fuentes, they see an opportunity and they have latched onto him and he's dragging them along when it comes to Trump. And we got to talk about Trump and Kanye and what Kanye has revealed about this. Trump had no idea who this person was. Trump is in his own headspace. He knows that he's popular on the right. But what what has been relayed is that Trump basically is just in la-la land at this point. But guess what? There are tons of people right now who are – they're pissed off. They're MAGA people. They've been told that their votes were stolen, their country was stolen, their elections were stolen. Nobody's doing anything about it. They're not winning elections. They're not taking over the country. The attempted coup failed. So those people are now pissed off, and i got to tell you, it's the the stabbed-in-the-back myth. All of a sudden, you need somebody who's now going to give you a new version of this, who's going to give you more pissed-off shit, who's going to give you more purpose and focus, that's what Fuentes is doing. That's what Milo Yiannopoulos is doing, and I got to tell you, there's a whole universe of people who are going to do the same damn thing.
1: Well, I, so, so so that's interesting because I don't think I even contemplated that—that that the notion of the losing uh, the 2020 election uh, needs a scapegoat, and that the Jews could be that. But but that it does make sense.
0: I got to um, say, real fast yeah. on that note, we haven't said it on the podcast yet. Election denying does not prepare people to win elections it prepares people not to give a shit about elections. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it would certainly, it does explain, it it is that nerve and it also is, we've been saying this for years, uh, the desperation will continue to rise and they will be, it'll become more and more um, ridiculous is not the right word even, but this is, this makes uh, again, more sense as they continue to plummet down the abyss uh, uh, of, of political, You know, in theory, it's self-immolation. Eventually, this would—that's what's going to happen to it. But on the way down, uh, violence—it
0: could be terrible. You know, and and we were actually looking for this video. It's apparently off the internet at this point. But I, I watched this thing dozens of times. It's Kanye talking to Milo Yiannopoulos about the meeting with Nick Fuentes and Trump. And one of the things Kanye keeps saying, by the way, is that Fuentes told Trump, "You need to beware of the difference between loyalist." And lawyers and I don't know if your ears just perked up a little bit mm-hmm. he's not just talking about lawyers Nick he's talking about the difference between Steve Bannon and Jared Kushner he's talking about white nationalist white supremacist and Jews that's what he's saying all of this is coded language then Kanye says that he asked Trump to be his VP which is just mind-blowingly stupid <laughs> and what did Trump talk about Nick he talked about the prisoner that he got pardoned on behalf of Kanye and Kim Kardashian. Trump just had no clue what was happening in this meeting at any given time. But he gave this carte blanche to this this person. We're watching, and I want to bring good old Elon in this, because you and I were talking about this before we started recording. These people are having breakdowns. They're literally engaging in a political project that feeds off of, like, Mental, health, and personal crises, Elon Musk is posting pictures of guns on his bedstand and and I'm sorry, but he's posting about the number eighty eight which is white supremacist code like these people are unwell and they're they're in the culture mainstream, and what's going to happen is this stuff is going to continue to increase the radicalization. It's this type of like breakdown that is unfortunately contagious particularly in a country like the United States of America where people are in such bad shape oh I, I mean Elon is now taking on Apple uh,
1: and trying to oh basically I, here he's, he's basically trying to force Apple to take the app off of the the App Store which would be the death of Twitter basically Um and it just adds more fuel to the fire that he's trying to, to do this on purpose. He's trying to sink Twitter, even though he's crowing about how there's more people, you know, in, interacting now than before. Uh, by the way, let me ask you, is your is, is your experience on Twitter any, any different in the last you know few weeks?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I got to tell you, I don't know. If, I don't think we talked about this. No, um, I ended up on this list, this weird list of about 5000 accounts that were like being like. Focused on or whatever, yeah. Uh, the harassment reached two thousand sixteen levels, huh. which was really shocking because they did clean it up for a while. And what I noticed, like I, you know, I am not getting thrown off Twitter at least not today, uh, even though I am like spouting like anti Elon Musk like leftist shit. But I got to tell you that the the harassment and the pylons and all of that, the focus stuff, it has increased like exponentially for me.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's hard for me. I haven't, you know, experienced it directly as much. But yes, uh, I do feel like it's creeping, and people yes. are getting more emboldened. Um, and and we we might forget, like it's this weird thing because when all those, you know, before it became politicized, right? So Twitter becomes politicized around in 2016 or 2015 when Trump gets involved, right? Isn't that ground zero sort of when it be when because people were awful on Twitter before that?
0: It was Gamergate. Mm-hmm. Gamergate is sort of what loosed the energies out and they realized that there were a lot of people and a lot of accounts and a lot of movement and energy that they could bring together. And then what happened is that the alt-right started taking control of that and started bringing in like the nihilism and the authoritarian energies and it started coalescing into like a really bad cesspool. Yeah. And it's happening yeah. again.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, and he's trying to spread fake uh, CNN headlines um, so it's weird because he oh, like I don't know if we want to get into this, but then it becomes what the right thinks is censorship. The left would say it's misinformation or hate speech, and we talked about this before a lot. But that's the, another one of those uh, the, the two things headbutting it'll, it'll never see each other's you know side. It's like at some point you have to say we cannot have hate speech yep. like this, and Musk thinks that it's just. Uh, and this is another reason why the way he. Functions the way his brain functions, I feel like it's just not compatible with being a CEO of a major you know corporation where people work under him and where he has to make decisions like this because you know at least with Jack there there was this decency notion where they had terms of service that you couldn't post hate speech and inspire people um, to to hurt other people and by the way that list that they hit that they're gonna remove right there's there's another list out there of the people that have been uh, suspended because of hate stuff he's gonna
0: let everyone back I think right. No, they're all going to come back. And I do have to say, you know, we were talking about this. I want to say it was on the weekend or last week. We were talking about that cult phase. You know what I mean? Where it's like somebody's like, man, that Jim Jones, he's got it all figured out. And then the next thing you know, Jim Jones is handing out Kool-Aid at gunpoint, right? The Elon Musk cult is incredible. This thing started, I don't know if you noticed this, it was like he went after Apple and he was like, if you're not gonna have it on the iPhone, I'll make a new phone. And suddenly everybody on the right was like, I can't wait for this new phone, it's gonna be the best phone ever. It's like, no, he's not going to do that. That's not going to happen. And on top of that, like you literally have created a techno messiah for yourself. And we have reached the point where all of us are looking at this and we're like, and and look at Tesla, by the way, Look at the numbers coming out of like Tesla and Tesla stock. All of a sudden people are like, oh, my God, I think maybe this person is wealthy because one, he was born wealthy in apartheid South Africa. And on top of that, he basically subsisted on U.S. public money and funds and programs and also completely interest free loans, free money. Free. Dude, if you have money and you get free money, you're a winner. That's how this whole thing works. You may not know
1: this, but Tesla is not a car company. Yeah, right. The, the reason why Tesla makes any profit, any profit at all, is because they sell carbon credits to other companies, which right. again is the, I, I think we mentioned this before, but. Talk about, like, just blood money uh, or the ability to sort of wipe away any kind of pollution that you're creating by paying a little money on that is so... Quote, unquote,
0: wiping away pollution.
1: Outrageous. Yeah. And, and, but, by the way, so that's what they did. Because Tesla was uh, making all electric cars, the government said, we'll give you cred- extra credits that you can then sell. And, he's, and there's, he made the market for them. So, listen, you might want to give him a pat on the back for being creative in a business sense. But let's not pretend that, like, Tesla makes money. And by the way, I drive a Tesla. It, 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 it drives fantastically, but I'm ashamed to drive it now. And, um, and, and the point being that he, he, it's all smoke and mirrors. This has nothing to do with what he's built up. He is completely subsisting on government handouts, uh, as a lot of these guys do. And everyone wants, the, 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 the Musk you know uh, fan, fanatics want to think he is this business genius.
0: And I want to point something out very quickly before we talk about January 6th because I've, I've, I've been, getting, been getting the hot gossip, Nick. I've been getting the, the inside scoop, if you will. I thought about this the other day. If Twitter was around during Henry Ford's time, when Henry Ford went off on his elders of the protocol or the protocols of the elders of Zion, mm-hmm. right? When Henry Ford became the main propaganda organ for anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, it would look a lot like what's happening now. And the entire point of what has happened in America is this cult of the wealth, right? Mm-hmm. Which is if you are wealthy and if you are one of the wealthiest people, who knows what happens behind the door, Nick? There's so much genius at play. And then all of a sudden, like you sit here and you look at him, take a look at somebody like Kellogg, who, who created all these like sanitariums where people are like using yogurt, you know, and not masturbating. And everybody's just like, I think he's got it figured out. I think everything's. You, by the way, we're doing a podcast. Nick has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm thinking about like Kellogg, like the you know the guy who made the uh, cereal. Oh, I'm talking about that guy. If people want, maybe pause the podcast and go uh, do a little bit of research on that. Okay, but these people we think that they're geniuses when in fact they're beneficiaries of a system that is designed for them what we're watching in real time with musk is not only the destruction of that illusion we're watching what happens when powerful people have breakdowns Mm -hmm. and what happens when we're all subjected to the breakdowns and again henry ford when he was pushing uh, anti-semitic conspiracy theories i'm fairly certain he was having a breakdown do you know what I mean? And inflicting on the rest of the world, which helped inspire the Nazis. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, go look up Kellogg and uh, have fun with that. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> and we're back. All right. So moving on to the next subject. I don't know how to transition out of that. I, There's listen, no way. It, you did it. If we're here. I, I hope I blew some people's minds when they go look this up because <laughs> oh, it is no. wild. Wow. Um. So the January 6th committee is uh, finishing up their work. Uh, they're putting together their final reports, the referrals, all that good stuff. Nick, uh, some stories are showing up in the press. Uh, there have been some leaks. Uh, I know that I have been contacted by a couple of people. I know some other people who have been contacted by some people. Uh, there are rumblings. And by the way, you're welcome everybody. We talked about this months ago. Mm-hmm. We is told it, everybody months ago what was happening.
1: Is this is this the breaking news you're
0: going to break for us? Yeah, I'm, going to, I'm going to tell you the breaking news. So I don't know if you remember this. When the January 6th committee started, I said they have to talk about the funding. Go, go on. Terrible.
1: That was not good. I. It was all I could do is shorthanded, but I
0: love it. I love it. I told everybody they have to talk about funding and everybody said, Jared, wait till the end of it. They'll get to it. And I'm like, no, they're not. They're not going to. People are – first of all, they're pissed at Liz Cheney. Uh, And and I I was told uh, specifically by a member of a committee member's staff (laughs) …
1: You were told yes? (laughs) Sorry.
0: I was told that uh, there has been an incredible amount of tension. And everybody understands that Liz Cheney and a large contingent of Democratic members of this committee are intentionally withholding any discussion and any reportage whatsoever about the participation of the funders through dark money, right wing donors, even Democratic donors, you name it. They are suppressing it and it is being honed and tailored to specifically go after Donald Trump without basically anything else. It is it's going to be the hit job that you and I talked about and you and I worried that it would become. But that's exactly what everybody on this staff is. They know it. And a few of them are going along with it, and then there are a couple in there who are very, very pissed off about this thing. Well, well,
1: Jared, you know the the green team. It's it's very complicated. It's it, people will fall asleep before they get through the first paragraph, so we don't need to put it in. That's what I don't understand. Put it in. Let them skip over to not read it because it's too boring and too complicated. But at least present it in, in this tome that they're gonna give everybody. Like I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I, all, I, had, I had understood this to be this was a like Democrat versus Republican or Democrat versus Cheney, but you're telling me that the yes. Democrats are on board with this, or at least some of them are with what Cheney. And a wants lot to do. of them are.
0: I'm going to read you an actual quote uh, from a message that I received from a staffer of a member of the Green Team. I'll just leave it there. I'll just say that this is an actual quote. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, like just, just straight up pissed off about this because it is a bipartisan thing. Neither party wants to expose the donor class because what happens if you expose the donor class, Nick? They, they don't get any more donations. You don't get any more donations. You don't get any more donations and so the, the work bad. of the January 6th commission has been hindered intentionally on a bipartisan basis by not just Liz Cheney but also members of the Democratic Party. Yeah,
1: and it just, but just even the reasoning is ridiculous. Like that's why it's, it's like are we that stupid? They think we're that stupid? Um, I do like this notion that like they're trying to pin it on Cheney as if she's trying to like maybe run for president in twenty four, and that's why she wants to focus only on Trump to like
0: hurt him to help her. Uh, this it is doesn't work that way, <laughs> you know. Nobody who is going to vote for Donald Trump is going to vote for Liz Cheney. None of them. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. and, and I don't know if you saw this, uh, somewhat relatedly. These rumors and leaks that have come out that that Mike Pence is building a presidential run staff, and he's already got the machinery in place. Do you realize how much people are just bleeding him dry of money? Like, Mike, I, I think you're I think you're the guy who's going to bring this country together. And meanwhile, they're going home and they're like, Can you believe Mike Pence thinks he's going to be the nominee of the GOP? My God, keep well, those checks coming. Baby. Yeah. Well,
1: no, they get they get the job now as he's putting it together, and then they're going to jump ship as soon as you know the other guy comes in. Uh, which is, you know, good business, I suppose. But um, the Cheney thing is interesting. Let's just pretend she's a patriot and she loves the Republican Party and believes in it and has to sink Trump by any way it means necessary to get him out of the race. Maybe that's what she's
0: doing. Uh, that is a charitable way to look at it. I have felt from the very beginning that Liz Cheney felt like this was one of those situations where she wanted to be on the committee, first of all, to like build her brand, but also guide the committee. I mean, she has been front and center because of the Democratic Party is just like, let Liz Cheney say it. She'll right. be the one to say it, right? She has appeared to be the leader of the committee, and on top of that, has steered it constantly and relentlessly towards Donald Trump. There has not been a mention of funding in any of these public hearings. Not one, mm-hmm. not a single second of it. It has literally just been Donald Trump got the people there. Donald Trump got them riled up and Donald Trump pointed them like a gun. And that's it. Like they've talked a little bit about the white supremacists and the paramilitary groups, but they haven't even like gotten deep into that. This is all Trump all the time. It has been Liz Cheney's show from the very beginning. And there are tons of Democrats who are absolutely OK with that. Do you think that she knew that her political career was going to be over when she took this position? I, it kind of had to be the only shot she could take, right? Don't you think? Like, there's no other thing. She had already put herself in the crosshairs of, like, the, the manga movement. The only thing that she could possibly do is control it in the least way that she could. I, I don't know. I, I I think her career in that way is done no, no matter what. Well, I, that, that is the fact, right? It's over. She's not
1: going to get a, a, win another election in the, in the Republican Party. But what I'm trying to think is... There probably was in the very right before she made the decision or as she was making it that notion that, oh, I could I could springboard this. I'll be out in front and center in these really big public hearings and and I can make this into a presidential run. And then within a day, she's like, oh, oh, shit. I mean, no one's going to get behind me on this like that. That could have been the calculation that completely backfired
0: for her, too. I think also her comments have been very revealing. I think um, our audience might remember us talking about this, but she's made hints about creating a new conservative party, and there's a lot of money in that. And again, we're talking about the consultant class, the strategist class, right? The people who are telling Mike Pence that they're going, he's going to be president of the United States. They're also like, hey, you know what's better than a million dollars? A billion dollars. And it's basically like, hey— We could actually take the right wing of the Democratic Party and we could take the Republicans who have, you know, never Trumpers and we could maybe merge them in and make a party of the center. And like the strategist class, I'm sorry, but that's the stuff of like, you know, like hot and heavy dreams because that's money that's where the donors go and i got to tell you the donors are going to remember and that's something else that this person said to me they said the donors are going to remember this mm-hmm. the donors I, like they'll take care of their own it's like in a mafia movie you go to jail for the mafia you get out you're made man like they're, they're they'll take care of you they'll take care of your family this whole thing has been running interference on the january 6th case and making sure that these people were protected yeah. and by the way I know I know everybody's shocked that a Cheney would take care of corporate and wealth interest I know that's shocking
1: uh well listen I, you know I'm the surprised that uh, that the Democrats and Republicans could get together and actually back get be on the same page on part of this however awful it is you know look we have bipartisanship look you know I just want to say something' this hit me I know it's slightly off topic but it's a little bit about the Congress have we realized by the way first of all is are we sure that McCarthy's going to be the Speaker of the House?
0: No, there's going to be a knife fight on the floor of the Congress. But, yeah. like
1: the guy's last name is McCarthy. We've done this <laughs> thing before this dance before. No, like I, it just hit me like like Hollywood would never buy this script. Okay, he's a, he's going to
0: be the hey. speaker whatever and his last name is McCarthy like
1: how Six, can we be like,
0: politics. Politics is like fashion, man. It's like walking down the street and you're like cargo pants are back. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. What's happening here? Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, there's another bush that
1: wants to run, but like, this is even worse. But I don't know. It just hit me. Like, how the fuck is this? How I mean, at least like have someone else's last name. It isn't the same as Joseph McCarthy, who caused the entire Red Scare in the late '40s. Like, I don't know. Anyway, it's just. It, but it actually is perfect. But again, no one would buy that script. They wouldn't believe it.
0: No, th- this whole system is so screwed up, and it's that's what happens when you have not only like a gerontocracy, but you also have like this elite in America that's like just run on their names. Yeah, I mean, like that that Kennedy's gonna make a comeback here pretty soon. The Bushes will be back in it. Chelsea Clinton will run for something. It'll be you know it'll be fine. Don't worry about it, guys. Well, it's just like the Star Wars thing. The entire universe hinges on like like one family,
1: the Skywalkers, right? right? Like that's how is that possible? They keep coming up, but yeah, same thing. That absolutely
0: sucks. Hey, by the way, let's talk about some. Good news. Um, One of the reasons why uh, this anti-Semitism and authoritarianism is growing is because something's building in the world right now. There's like some really good stuff, some really good energy growing, and we got to start off with China. Don't worry, we're coming back to the United States. Don't run away. I promise. In China, there have been massive uprisings lately, and this isn't particularly something that you see very regularly. Uh, China's very very restrictive COVID protocols um, have been kind of crushing people and then on top of it like the other day it led to like this terrible terrible incident with a fire people not being taken care of at Foxconn where iPhones are being made there have been these big giant brawls between workers and uh, guards and police they've started paying people $1400 to quit there's like go you gotta get out of here Um, There is actual unrest taking place in China. That authoritarian regime is on the ropes. It's not a coincidence this is happening as President Xi has has forwarded his power, consolidated his power, taken on more authoritarian sort of tenants. How do you feel about this right now? Well, it's weird
1: because what you're describing in terms of lockdowns for covid which, I, listen, I, I'm all for masks, I'm all for distancing all these things, but when you hear how they do it in China, it's exactly what the right here thinks that Americans are or the government's doing to them, which they should take a week in China just to really feel that they think that that's the same. Um, but the but the bottom line is, we, and by the way, what happened in Iran? Like, this was happening in Iran as well. The idea that you would go out in public and be willing to be filmed saying yep. things negatively about President Xi is is heresy. Like you would, you would be killed if you tried doing that. So this might not be, it might be short lived. It might not go anywhere. I don't know. But certainly the, the fact that this is building to something is, is is exciting. You know, Tiananmen Square is in my mind. Remember that that was something that, that didn't get it get anywhere. And you have to be worried the same thing is going to happen again here as they start losing their minds about it. But at the very least, there is something happening right across the, the world here. And uh, it is encouraging, but I am I am so nervous about w- hearing, you know, some atrocities that are going to be committed in response to it. You know,
0: what's funny? I'm glad you brought up Tiananmen Square. The American conventional narrative of that is that. There was a problem and then a tank came out and a person stood in front of the tank and stopped everything. Like that's how like Americans view that whole thing. No, people got slaughtered Mm -hmm. and it ushered in a brand new security state that China has been perfecting over and over and over again. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter if it's China. It doesn't matter if it's Iran. It doesn't matter if it's Russia. And we'll talk about America here in a second. People get tired of this they get sick of it like that's the amazing thing about human beings you can put them in the most repressive like systems imaginable right and when you do that like maybe you might crush their spirits for a while and maybe you'll install discipline but like you even get to the next generation the next generation is like man this doesn't work for me like i don't like this is awful and we're reaching this point china has been so focused on competing economically, politically with the United States, trying to create this new bipolar world that a lot of the people have been crushed. A lot of the people have been mistreated. And eventually something like COVID happens. This this supposed black swan event, it happens. And all of a sudden, all of those tensions, they start boiling over, which is why we're watching in some of the most oppressive corners of the world right now. People are saying, you know what? Enough is enough. And I'm with you. There's a very real chance this is going to lead to crackdowns. A very real chance this is going to lead to violence. It already has in Iran, it has happened in Russia. But I want people to understand something. These things don't just go away. Like if, if tyrants do this all the time, they'll crush you, they'll 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 stomp their boot on you. But nick that just actually makes the situation worse. Mm-hmm. It actually promotes the spirit of revolution and the and the spirit of, of things like liberalization. It's I, I don't know something really big is is growing right now.
1: I, I hear you. It's funny because you know if, if it's a war situation, you know uh, let's say the Americans would be the people who would come in in World War One, World War II and, and put this out. This ain't the Americans aren't coming to the rescue here. They're not going to go into China and do much to do. They're not even going to put, put sanctions on China in theory. If they wouldn't do anything uh, against China for how they treated the Uyghurs, I, I can't believe that they would do much more in the face of this. It's going to be all the Chinese people to do this on their own. And certainly, a country that size, there is power in the numbers like that. And so I, I, I would hope that, they, they, that something would happen, or they can they can make effect change because you know we've heard. By the way, what would happen then? In like in North Korea, like the, the, there could be a sweeping, you know, um, spring where people will suddenly, re, you know, stand up to all of this, like in the we see in the movies. But again, um, you know, the people want the Second Amendment in, the, in America because they know they want to stand up to a, a tyrannical government. There ain't no Second Amendment in China, so they don't have any way to to,
0: to protect themselves or fight back. Well, so there's a couple of things that are taking place here. One, a, an interesting anomaly that I want to make people aware of. China is combating this right now. Like, there's a lot of crackdowns with police and guards and all of that and surveillance. They're also flooding the internet and social media with porn and escorts. Like, they are literally – there's, like, an entire, like, internet operation right now that is trying to basically buy off the young male population Hmm. that are frustrated through sex, which is crazy. Like, that's – that's, like – That's like some really weird next level stuff that people need to be aware of. The second part of this, and this is important when it comes to exactly what you're talking about, like the lack of weapons or whatever. I brought up Foxconn. Foxconn, again, is the main place for iPhone assembly. It's the reason why your iPhone, which by the way, I have an iPhone too. I'm as guilty as anybody else. It's hard to be ethical under capitalism, almost impossible. Foxconn is the reason why you're able to get a cheap iPhone is because it's near slave labor, right? It's exploiting people left and right to the point where they kill themselves so much that they have to install nets to catch them from killing themselves, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. You know who doesn't get mentioned in these stories? You know who doesn't get talked about in these stories? Apple. What happens if all of a sudden Apple becomes synonymous with a crackdown in China? What happens when all of these products – and by the way, the Uyghur stuff – the stuff that's using for surveillance and the stuff that's being used to crack down on people, the United States, we buy it from them. Mm-hmm. We use it ourselves. If you start realizing that these are interconnected systems of power and oppression, if we can change the conversation from, oh my God, that's China's problem too. Oh, this is a global system of oppression and tyranny that is interlocked. We are playing a role in it. The reason why I have this phone is because those people are being hurt If we can start taking a look at that and breaking it down, the chances of change, they go up, you know, because it's not about the man in the street, the woman in the street who's trying to, like, stop a tank. It's about, oh, my God, we're all in this together, whether or not you're Chinese, American, Iran, any of it. Like, it's it's something that we have to we have to remember this.
1: Right. And we have to remember that, like, the problem with sanctions a lot of the times we're talking about that is if talking about capitalism and the, the weapons of capitalism. Sanctions generally don't work. They just simply punish the people that are in those countries, as the um, the the people in power just are corrupt, corruptly you know steal that money, Um, you know. But we do see it in different places, like for instance with Russia. We know that the Russian soldiers, because of what uh, you know the world stance against Russia, they have no equipment. They're all getting sick. They have no medicine, you know, to take care of their soldiers and they're going to start to die and be much more you know, ineffectual on the battlefield. Um, so there is that that tool. And, you know, ironically, this is what Trump, you know, was trying to do a little bit with his trade wars with China to make you know fairer deals. But yes, you would hope that at some point Apple could say, you know what, we're just not going to make these chips uh, in China anymore. And we will make instead of three billion dollars of profit in a year, we'll make two billion, you know, and we'll find another country that can do that. will treat their workers better. But there's no question that there's something happening in the world across the world right now. People demanding better treatment.
0: Yeah. And we have to say, like, isn't it notable that while we're talking about geopolitics, we're also talking about companies? Because they're an integral part in this. They are the connectors. They are the people who are making the money from this. Is Apple going to stand up for the workers in China? Absolutely not. It might hurt their quarter earnings. Also, how about we ask Facebook? Are you going to start lifting, like, the great firewall of China? Are we going to make sure that all of these tech people, like, aren't helping to crush people? We have to change the conversation. And along with this, I wanted to talk about, first of all, solidarity to brothers and sisters of amazon in over 30 countries on black friday they walked out and said screw you jeff bezos uh good for y'all starbucks over 200 stores on red cup day the day they roll out these dumb christmas cups they walked out the workers are getting smarter the workers are getting bolder thank god that they are solidarity to them another thing to put on everyone's radar nick the rail workers We are inching up on one of the biggest rail strikes in the history of the United States of America. We also need to understand that Joe Biden right now, the President of the United States of America, good old leftist Joe Brandon, is currently trying to make Congress enforce a deal on the rail workers that they don't want, that they have rejected, that doesn't include sick days, doesn't let them go to the doctor, doesn't let them miss a day of work. This is going to be a showdown. And these things, it's it feels like this thing is building momentum, Nick. It can't be another Reagan and the air traffic controller situation because that will cut it down, that will knock it down, and that will just hand over so many victories to uh, to the employers.
1: Yeah. It's funny because for a long time in this country, you would have been grateful to have a job working for the railroad, right? That would have been this job. And you know you worked there for 50 years and then you get whatever, a pension, um, obviously, through you might even argue that it's more like through you know the, the, the cultural uh, pop pop culture. You know, we've all been raised to, to you know aspire to things, and nobody wants to do any of these jobs anymore. So I think the the issue they're having with the railroads are they simply don't have enough people working. So you know, they, they're, that's kind of why they're trying to say, well, you you don't ha- you can't take off because we have nobody else. Building.
0: What's they that? cut them down to skeleton crews. Oh, okay, and
1: that's good. true. Now, again, and that's the capitalism, right? They will they will have to abuse as much as they can to maximize, you know, each worker's, uh, you know, hours. So, so it's a, it's a it's a both. But I, I would be suspect because the only solution you do to get more people to work is you have to raise wages. If you pay more, more people would want to do that job. And this and out of COVID, of all the things that, that were horrible out of COVID, I think the one thing that we're getting here, at least in the service industry, which does cover things like railroad, railroad too is that people are not going to fucking do this shit anymore for shitty wages and in the treatment they get I, can I share with you one quote real quickly because I, I talked about this the other day Bill Russell who was the, you know, the all-star center for the Celtics and, and a, uh, a, a stalwart and a huge presence uh, in the civil rights movement uh, he, his father, he was born in the 30s his father told him when he was growing up in Louisiana if you take a job and they pay you $5 a day give them $7 a day worth of work now, that was something he prided himself on, and that's what people did in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. That was their pride. That shit ain't going to cut it anymore. No nope. one's going to give you that more work for when you're paying them for.
0: Nope. I'm, give, I'm giving you the $3 special. <laughs> if we're going to call it even. Well, and, and here's the thing. You know, we talk about on this show, and, and again, nobody else talking about this. I can't believe that nobody else even discusses it. When you read articles about the economy – and about companies and about all of this, when you read articles about it in the New York Times, the Washington Post, you're reading the wealthy talk to one another. They're Mm. navigating this, you know what I mean? And the current thing that's coming out right now, all the rumblings, Nick, are that major companies, including tech companies, right, they're all starting to, quote unquote, reconsider requiring college degrees. That's the big thing. And by the way, if, if, if you're a college administrator right now and you're listening to the podcast, take a deep breath. It'll be okay. Stable yourself. You're going to be all right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But this whole thing is about the fact that power in this labor market, Nick, is not on their side. They need cheap labor. And by the way, this, we've talked about this economy as a house of cards right now. Like it's it's such a grift from top to bottom, and they're trying so hard to maintain any power they have while trying to keep the tower up. Like They are going to try literally anything, whether it's raising interest rates. They can't raise them anymore, really. Mm -hmm. They've basically blown up free money in this country and almost caused a recession, possibly caused a recession. The inflationary stuff is out of control. They've even tried shrinkflation, which is offering you less for more. I mean, they they don't have a lot of cards left. The only thing that they have to bring this thing full circle, Nick, anti-Semitism, white supremacist conspiracy theories authoritarianism those people are coming to get us we have to hurt them we have to come together we have to we have to work out of a patriotic duty right mm-hmm. that's the only card that these people have left they're on the ropes it's like watching a boxing match and somebody is punch drunk and they're just throwing wild haymakers That's what capitalists do when they're in trouble. They get wild and they get desperate and they start, I don't know, buying Twitter and saying a bunch of hate speech. That's what happens. I got a bigger circle to to complete here. Uh, We we see the Amazon workers that
1: are striking chanting, we are not robots. Yep. Now, you know that Jeff Bezos right. is listening to right. and, and he's scratching his chin and going, hmm, that's a good idea, which they're already doing anyway.
0: Us could make something that worked.
1: <laughs> yes, which then connects to my idea about we should just have robots for the politicians that are stamping the you know, the, the whatever you want. And you put it together as an algorithm and boom, that's that that's what we're moving towards in this future. But uh, I, listen, I, the bottom line is, uh, you know, companies don't normally have workers that want to unionize when they treat them like human beings, right? That, that's that's right. usually, you know, they don't usually have to deal with that because they treat them normally. And it's the ones like Amazon that they don't let them get bathroom breaks and they don't give them any kind of breaks at all. Uh, and, and, and it,
0: the, they die on the ground Yeah, and they, they them die on the floor and they make them keep working around their dead colleague. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. Like, that's untenable yeah. you can't keep doing that
1: yeah i mean the best case scenario is it's like the i love lucy uh episode where it just never stops and they can barely can't keep up that's the best case scenario of it. and the worst is yes we've heard i mean it was that that was
0: was that verified by the way that that story about like somebody yeah, dying no, and, that absolutely happened the guy died on the floor while okay. they were waiting to go dude they make people take ubers to the hospital yeah yeah. I mean, they, 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 they I mean, the way they treat, they treat people worse than dirt. They treat people like worse than you could ever possibly imagine. And you're exactly right. They have everything. But that's the problem is capitalism says, if you're making record profits, guess what you got to do next quarter, Nick? You got to make more profits. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that? You you cut things down to a skeleton crew. You work people harder. You you increase quotas. This is not sustainable. And people aren't going to keep putting up with this shit. Nor should they. Right. They shouldn't. Right. If you can't run your business while treating your
1: employees like human beings, then you shouldn't be running your business.
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye to your business. Mm -hmm. That's it. And how is that for capitalism? I love it. I love all of it. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I told you this before I started recording. I was in a pissy mood. I was (laughs) mad I had to deal with the DMV today. I had to go to a courthouse. I was fit to be tied. Now I'm mad at everything else. This is great.
1: Oh, I thought maybe you'd feel a little bit better by, uh, after that. but
0: No, I feel great. Okay. I feel good. I'm, I'm reborn. I'm pissed off at these people. All right. All right. Well, that's good. All right. We're going to end it on that. We're going to come back <laughs> on Friday. We're going <laughs> to burn it all down. When that question came in for the weekenders, like, tell me about the rail strike, Nick. I was already hot. I was already like, shut it down. It's crisp.
1: <laughs> Go ahead, take us out, Jared
2: oh, God.
0: <laughs> The Muckrake podcast is calling the rail strike It's the end of freight in America As we know it, there's not going to be a Christmas Alright, everybody, we will be back on Friday uh, If you need us before then, you can find Nick at Can You Hear Me SMH You can find me at J.Y. Saxton Solidarity now, solidarity forever Take care